Confused by finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, we went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances And with Kathy and Norma. Welcome to Finances And, what you might need to file your taxes with Kathy and Norma. We went to school, so you don't have to. I'm here with Kathy, and it's tax season. Are you done already? No, I'm not <laughs> done already. I I started, but I don't have all my tax forms in, in line. I'm actually waiting on a particular form in order to file it. I would say for the first time, I have nailed that I've gotten money back from the federal government, but I owe the state, and it comes out to almost zero. So I don't oh, actually know how that worked out, but I'm happy about that. Well, when I started it the other day, I think I owed eight dollars. And um, that's great. That's great. I'm hoping that changes when I get this last form. So one of the things we're trying to do is help you so that you can use the information that we have today to try and get it to where you don't owe any money and they don't owe you any money. It seems exciting to say that they owe me money and I'm getting money back. But the reality is they've just kept your money for you and now they're going to give it back to you. So you have not been able to use it or get any interest on it. And so that's what that's what a refund is. A refund is basically money you've a tax free loan or interest free loan. Sorry, an interest free loan that you've given the government for an entire year. So you can choose to get a refund or you can choose not to. And what I mean by that is when you are doing your payroll, Uh, You know, when you start out with your company, you can actually change it so that less taxes get taken out or more taxes get taken out. Now, that that can be a little tricky. But if you really want a large refund, then you want them to take the most out of your check. And if you're really okay with not getting that big refund at the end of the year or in the beginning of the year, rather, then you have them take out the bare minimum that you need for your tax situation. I think the easiest way to start with that is if you actually go on to IRS.gov, you can then look for a tax withholding calculator, you're going to need your pay stub, your most recent pay stub with you, but you can enter in that information and they will tell you how many you need to have as withholding to try and get you as close to that zero as possible. So at least it's a start. You'll know for somebody like my kids, we're like, well, how many do I take? At least it's a start for them to to try and make a decision on it. Make sure that if you're going to, if you're going to get money back though, file early. So you get your money back as soon as you can. And if you owe money, go ahead and wait to pay it until April when it's actually due. That way you've got your money back that you're going to get back and you don't have to pay the other one until you have to pay it. So the difference on your taxes is that you're going to have the opportunity to take both credits and deductions. And so what is the difference between credits and deductions? Credits directly reduce what it is that you owe. So if you have a credit of $1,000, then that means that it's going to lower your tax bill by $1,000. And there's a lot of credits that you can get out there. There's a child tax credit and just a bunch of others. So those, like Kathy said, is dollar for dollar. The other one is a deduction. So now a deduction is actually reducing how much of your money is taxed or how much of your income is taxed. So instead of getting a $2,500 credit, $2,500 of your money is not going to be taxed. And then that will all be kind of dependent on what your tax bracket is. So let's say you have 22% tax bracket. That means that $2,500 won't be a part of that 22% tax. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is to lower your gross income. And that's what they're going to base all taxes you're paying on. So you want to try and make that as small as possible possible legally, but you want to try and take all the deductions and credits that you possibly can. But if you're listening to somebody talking about credits and deductions, credits are good, but deductions are great. So 
What does the IRS use to figure out what you owe? The first thing is that W-2 form that you get. And those are the wages or the income that you've received from a company. And the IRS gets a copy of it. So don't fudge it at all. Make sure that you're sharing it exactly and filling in the forms just the way you received it. But you want to withhold back to those withholdings as much as you can to make it so that you're going to get zero back and you're going to owe zero. That's your ultimate game. Another one, another income bracket would be a 1099. So you sometimes hear about a 1099 employee and that's really just a a contractor usually. And the benefit of a 1099 is actually a lot greater more nowadays than it used to be. It used to be that if you worked for a company and you had what they called unreimbursed employee expenses, you could deduct that on your taxes. But the recent tax law changed that. So if you're a 1099 employee, which means you get this 1099 MIS or miscellaneous form, it's what they call miscellaneous income. usually a sole proprietor or a contractor, and you can deduct mileage, home office expenses, supplies, uh, car expenses, cell phone, and a bunch of other stuff. Don't be tricked though. They don't have to issue you this 1099 miscellaneous until you hit the $600 limit for how much you've earned. But the IRS will still know that you have earned that money. So make sure that you're claiming it, even if you're not receiving your 1099 miscellaneous, that whatever income you've got, you want to make sure and claim that. The 1099-R is what you're going to receive if you get any kind of a distributions or money back from your pension fund, your retirement account, any annuities that you might have, profit sharing, IRA, insurance contracts. So basically at retirement, hence the R, any way that you're receiving money or income to live on, you're going to get one of these forms and it's reported as income, just like the 1099 miscellaneous. Let's just say you've got investments and you've you know made some money in those investments. Any of that money that you, that you got with these banks, you're going to get something called a 1099 DIV. There are a lot of these 1099 forms, but another one is 1099 INT or interest. So anytime your bank or any kind of credit union, that type of thing has given you any interest on your savings, they're going to provide you this form as well. If you've got an employment for the year, you've got a state and local refund or you got a taxable grant, the form you're going to get is called a 1099G. So that's what you want to look out for and ask for if you know you're in any of those situations. I actually got a 1099G because I got a tax return from the state. So then I had to report that as income for this year as well. 1098 is different. That's when you have paid on something and you're reporting that because you want to try and get money back for the money you've already paid. So for example, the 1098 is the interest that you've paid on your mortgage. And so you're actually paying interest on your mortgage for the first 15 to 20 years. You're paying the actual principal down for the last five or 10 years, depending on how long your loan is. So you're able to try and collect that interest payment back. That is only up to $750,000 or less, which is probably not going to be my problem or your problem in the near (laughs) future. But any interest that you've paid up to or greater than $600, you're going to get one of these 1099, 1098, excuse me, forms from your lender. So if you've got children in school or you're paying student loan interest, the education form would be this 1099. I'm sorry, 1090. You confused me. (laughs) It's a 1098 T. E. 
E. All right. So it's a 1098 E and that would be any qualifying expenses. You, this is again is a deduction. It's called an above the line deduction, which basically means you don't need to itemize in order to get this deduction. So regardless of whether, you know, you've got this over the $12,000, that's the current deductible amount. You don't have to worry about that because you can actually deduct those, that student loan interest. Similarly, a 1098 T is if you, the student or parent paid qualifying to tuition or college expenses, the educational institution. So again, their, their school, their university are going to f- provide you this form. There's no minimum threshold to receive this document, though. You just have to have had some kind of academic credit over the year and that you're not getting reimbursed from, say, an employer or as part of your requirement for your job to be able to get that form. This leads to educational credits that you can earn. The first one that you could take off your taxes is called the American Opportunity Tax Credit. That can be up to $2,500 refundable to you. And in fact, even if you haven't taken Now, if you've only spent $2,000, they actually will refund you the $2,500, even if you don't owe. Um, But you do have to be under 24. So you don't qualify um, if if you're on your parents' return. It is only for undergraduate. And it's only for the first four years that you're at school. And you have to be at least half time in school. You don't have to know if you were half time or not. The form itself will say if you're a a half time student or not. So while you don't qualify, if you're on your parents return, your parents can actually take that one for you. So, uh, yeah. So I know I'm getting that actually for for both my kids that there I'm getting that credit um, because I still claim them as dependents on my return. Sure. The lifetime learning credit is another education uh, credit intuition fees deduction. Let's say you've got a parent, you're your parent and you've got three kids. You can actually claim three different benefits on your return. So you can, you know, if one ends up being better to do this AOTC or the other one ends up being better, the lifetime learning credit, which is called an LLC, different kind of LLC. (laughs) But you can actually just kind of pick and choose what's best for your tax situation. So on the lifetime learning you get uh, up to a $2,000 credit on your return. It is not refundable, meaning if you don't owe more than $2,000, you're not going to get that difference back. Right. And again, you can't if you're the child and you're being claimed by your parent, you can't claim that on your return, unfortunately. And it is un- the number of tax benefit years for this is actually unlimited. And that's just based on 2020 IRS.gov information. You can also take charitable contributions if you are I. So if you're going to take the basic deduction, then you're not going to be able to take these next few things off of your taxes. But if you're itemizing, you must have for charitable contributions, if it's less than $200, you must have a record like your bank account if you paid cash to somebody or a receipt from the place that you donated. If it's greater than $250,000, you have to have a receipt from the charity in writing. So if you're just donating clothes and other kinds of household things to a local shelter, you don't have to have written a receipt, but if it's over 250, you do. But if you have a single item appraised over 500 thousand dollars, you're going to need to have a written documentation of that as well. So again, it's important to know that for for the charity, you need to itemize in order for that to even matter. So if you've got expenses under, let's say, you know, the twelve thousand two hundred, which is the currently the standard deduction, 
then there's no point in holding on to your charitable contribution amount because you're not going to be able to put that on your taxes anyway. Another great deduction is having kids. Yay. No, that's not a good reason to have kids. But someone who cannot be left alone. So if you are have a dependent, an adult that even can't be left alone and they cannot provide their own self-care, they also fall under this category of dependent care. If you are out working or looking for work or going to school full time, you can take these deductions for children that are under 13 years old, or if an adult is physically, uh, mentally unable to care for themselves. To be able to take this though, they must live with you at least a half of a year. And you're generally going to be also claiming them on your tax return as a dependent. Summer camps, you can take as part of it, but if it's a sleepaway camp, you cannot deduct that, I guess, because they're not with you for that period of time. I'm not really sure. The credit, though, is up to $3,000 for one kid. And if it's two or more, you can take $6,000 credit. So now let's say you've got a lot of medical expenses. This, these medical expenses based on the current tax law, it has to be 10, over 10% of your adjusted gross income. So let's say you've got a $50,000 gross income, adjusted gross income. Your expenses must be over $5,000. So let's say, you know, again, in that, in that scenario, if you've got $6,000 worth of expenses, now you can deduct that $1,000. And again, just like with the charitable contributions, you must be itemizing for this to matter. So if you're not itemizing and you only have, let's say, $6,000 or even $10,000, because that's still not going to get you over in order to be able to itemize, then this is something you don't have to worry about. If your company is reimbursing you or paying for these things, you do not get to itemize them. In other words, someone's already paid you back for it or paid for you. But if you're spending your money and not getting money back on things like doctor's visits, wheelchairs, crutches, glasses, all of those types of things, they fall into that medical category. So you can expense those as well. I was just reading a great article on the balance. It was called the ultimate guide to doing your taxes. I found that very helpful if you need to slow down and look at this information. And NerdWallet also had a great article on taxes as well. Do you have anything else? Nope. So one thing I really want to warn you against is do not skip doing your taxes. I know people that have decided because they couldn't afford it that they weren't going to actually submit their taxes. You are going to get caught in this because you're going to fill it out eventually and you're going to have to pay a lot, not only in the back taxes, but penalties as well. So if you do not have enough money to pay your taxes file anyway. You can start on a payment plan with them if you need to, or you can also do an automatic extension and you'll have until October 15th so that you can start saving your money. You're still probably going to pay a 1% penalty if you wait until October 15th, but that is far better than the up to 25% that you're going to get charged if you do nothing. So please Please file and make sure that you're getting your taxes in on time. So Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice and nothing in this podcast can be construed as such. Always consult a tax accounting or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. That's Finances and stuff you need for your taxes, I guess, today. Mm -hmm. Let us know what you think on Facebook or Twitter at Finances and or at our website, financesand.net. We love hearing from you. So please ask your questions. And remember, we went to school so you don't have to.